Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. I'm David, compulsive overeater. And Mark, thank you for asking me to share. Um, It's always uh, in a meeting like this where a lot of the people I've known for many, many years and have heard me speak over and over and know my story, I feel uh, a little um, strange when I always have to, you know, tell my story or I'm speaking again, Uh, but there's a lot of people I don't know, and especially with Zoom, this is a very different experience. Also, um, as in every period of my life, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, and so we'll see see, uh, what I get to, um, but how I'm, you know, hopefully I will tell you how this program is working in my life today, and, and with the issues that I'm dealing with today and and, and uh, how it still works. Uh, to give you a little bit of numbers, I came into OA, um, I went to my first meeting when I was, I got to think how old I was, I was 12 years old in 1973 because my mother had joined OA and she was a compulsive reader and me and her did a lot of sneak eating behind my dad's back and, and uh and so she sort of forced me to go to a few meetings with her. Uh, I went to the old Palms Park when they used to have a, 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 a clubhouse way in the back that's no longer there. And um, a, a couple of other meetings. Um, but OA, of course, at 12 years old was not for me. Uh, the only thing I liked, she took me to uh, some other, there was some other meeting that had not just OA and they served hot chocolate because it wasn't just OA, and that was the only meeting I went to a few times because because they had hot chocolate there, and I, that 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 uh, you know that re- helps me remember I'm a true compulsive overeater. You know, all these years later, I still remember the hot chocolate. Um, but but that's what motivated me. Anything in life was food. Um, probably still does because I'm still a compulsive overeater. But anyway, my that was that was in a nutshell. How I got through life was, as a kid, as a compulsive overeater, was having to use food to just get me through everything. It was like, for me, growing up, uh, it was it was like having to have a drug or an IV all the time just to keep me being able to face life on life's terms. I just, uh, you know, I didn't have a bad life growing up, but I just... Um, I just everything everything seemed a mistake every it, it disaster seemed to be around the corner the other shoe was going to drop all the time and so I just needed food all to soothe me and to 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 keep me um to keep me calm to keep me to give me a reason to live because I really didn't like I was afraid of death growing up but I was also hated living also and that's a really that's a really that's like between a rock and a hard place as they say you know when you don't want to you don't want to live and you don't want to die and that but that's how I was as growing up as a kid um and um and uh yeah so I guess I'll tell you what it was like uh, since I'm starting to go there but um 
so yeah, so I was always a compulsive overeater. I was a chubby kid. Uh, I just always felt miserable about myself. I would um, cringe at thinking about myself and how fat I was and how ugly and, and stupid and and I felt like nobody wanted to be my friend and and uh, I just always had this really poor image of myself. Um, I was very shy kid, uh, socially awkward and felt miserable didn't feel didn't feel good about myself i mean i don't think everybody in a way has the same story as i do but i think it is quite common among compulsive overeaters to just have this uh, poor self image and, and just wanting to isolate from the world you know i think there's other compulsions and diseases that people use and they're they're out there in the world but i think with food, it's so easy to isolate and just um, and really uh, a compulsion for for people who hate themselves, and 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 then and then you you're you gain weight and you feel fat and bad, and so it it becomes a vicious cycle. So you have to eat more, and and that that's how it was growing up. I was uh, really bad uh, athletically. Hi. Oh. And, um, and, and, you know, the last one chosen for all the sports teams and I didn't do well in school and just, there was nothing going for me. And I just felt like, uh, uh, the biggest loser. And then, and then, uh, and so again, more and more food and, and just eating all the time. And, uh, I didn't do well in school, you know. I, I thought because I was stupid, but it was really because I didn't do any work. I thought you should just, get good results just because you, you know, just because of who I am. And, and I didn't, couldn't, and didn't do the work and um, didn't have any kind of discipline. Um, and so I didn't do well in school. And, um, and and all I wanted to do was, you know, after school, come home, watch TV, do jigsaw puzzles and eat. And, you know, I I'd get... I really was, I really had a good mind, but this is how I used it. I'd sit home and say, you know, there's a thrifties, uh, uh, you know, market a few blocks from the house. If I take a walk, that's really good exercise. And therefore I can get an ice cream with it. It was a nickel when I was a kid. And, and that way I would be burning off the ice cream and then come home. And, you know, and th- that's how I use my mind all the time, scheming about food and, and what I could do or, you know, be having dinner with my family and then thinking, okay, how much can I take to my room and nobody will notice? How much will be left over? And if I take a sliver and a this and a that, how much food can I get later for to eat while I'm, you know, in my room watching TV? Um, that, that's how I live. So just not a not a happy child. Didn't have uh, didn't have any friends. Um, yeah, just just miserable. So as I mentioned, I, I came. To, my mom was a compulsive overeater. Um, so that was in 1973, my first meeting. And and after she was in OA, and she just would have short periods of really getting involved in OA and and uh, lose a little bit of weight. And she never left, but she just didn't. Uh, really get involved in OA much, but she had a lot of OA friends and she started believing in God. Um, you know, we were raised Jewish, but all of a sudden after she came to OA, she was really into this God thing. And, and I just, I didn't believe in God. I didn't think that OA was a lot of old ladies, you know, pe- people in their forties. Uh, and, uh, 
and, and so they were a bunch of old ladies and uh, I uh, anyway, OA wasn't going to be for me, you know, and, and, and my mom said, let's abstain together. And at 12 years old, you don't want to, I didn't know what absence was, but I for sure didn't want to do it with my mother. So, um, so, and, and she put the whole family, it was great sheet at the time. And, and whenever she did abstain, it was very strict with her and she put the whole family on her food plan. And I remember her going to meetings and I would be climbing the cupboards because she always, she had food enough, like the Russian army was going to come visit at any time. We, we just had so much, always food in the cupboards. And I would find, I would just look for things while she was away at meetings to cook. And I remember when, when I ran out of anything that was what I felt good, I would, uh, I remember taking cabbage and blue cheese dressing and making this big salad just because I needed food and there was nothing else, nothing more interesting. That was the most interesting meal or, you know, food, but I had to binge on it. I had to have something, you know, uh, but, but so, so that's what it was like. And, uh, uh, I went through middle school, the time we called it junior high. And, and I thought I'm not going to be like my mom and her away friends. And I just couldn't stop eating there. And, and, you know, I was probably between 60 and 80 pounds overweight. Uh, uh, you know, and that was about my highest weight wise, but I, I was on my way to becoming a hundred pounder for sure. And I remember the doctor told my mom, your, your son's going to be 250 pounds by the time he's out of high school, because I was just gaining weight so rapidly at, at, in those years and wearing men's sizes and um, just, yeah, anyway, miserable life. And uh, in, I started uh, in 1976, I was about to start high school. It was June, and my mom had – there was a big OA convention. She came back to OA, uh, got really involved, and one of her friends who had actually brought her to OA had a, a son my age, and uh, they found out there was a team meeting, and my mom says, oh, Judy's son Michael is going to start going to this OA team meeting. Why don't you go with him? And that was June, the end of June. I think it was about June 28, 1976. And I've been a member of OA since. I didn't call myself a member the first year. I just thought I'm going to this one team meeting. Uh, but I never left OA after that. You know, it was easy. I always explain, and this is will explain my life then, um, I was addicted to TV and, and series, and for any young people, you in, in those days, you couldn't just watch whatever you wanted to watch. You had to watch what was playing at that time, and, and you know, they had a season, and then it was repeat season, and uh, and so, um, so anyway... Um, it was repeat season during the summer. So I was like, it was sort of easy to go to that 018 meeting on Wednesday because those were repeat shows on TV that I was missing. I was, it wasn't that big of an investment of my time. But uh, when September started and I started high school and it was the new TV series, that's when there must have been a higher power because I kept, I didn't stop going to that Wednesday meeting. I was planning any week I was about to stop going, but I never stopped going. 
and I started binging at the student store on cookies. I, I remember my goal of going to that OA meeting, the only thing I thought, because I wasn't going to go on my mom's food plan, but the only thing I wanted to do was stop gaining weight, because I was probably about 60 pounds overweight. You know, I was going through uh, adolescence just starting, and and I thought, if I could just stop gaining weight, again, this head figured it out, you know, I was probably 180, 90 pounds. If I could just stop gaining weight, and I'm going to start getting taller, and I'm going to outgrow, I'll, I'll outgrow some of this weight. If I could just stop gaining weight, that was that was my goal, and uh, and of course I couldn't, you know, started gaining and 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 high school had a student store with all kinds of cookies that I couldn't stop. And I remember asking at the meeting, this was October of 1976, how can I stop binging at the student store? And the leader, this team meeting was a very loose form, you know, format. It was more like a a fellowship thing, you know. It was just. It wasn't like a, it wasn't, it was very, uh, anyway, it was a different kind of meeting. But uh, I asked, how do you think I can stop binging because I don't want to gain any more weight? And the leader of that meeting said, why don't every day you just commit what you're going to eat and that way you won't, you, you know, it'll help you stay away from that stuff in the student store. And it wasn't a diet. And, and, and when we left this kid named Michael said, oh, what time do you want to call me tomorrow? You can call your food into me. And I thought, you know, his mom's big in OA. It'll be brownie points for him if I call him. And I didn't know how to say no. You know, it just, I was a people pleaser too. So that's that's when I date my absence. It wasn't a food plan. It wasn't that I made this big decision, but I just started calling what I was going to eat. And it was normal food. It was even desserts, you know, um, but it was just I stopped binging at the student store. And, and of course, you know, I worked in the cafeteria because, of course, any compulsive reader, that's what, you know, you do. Um, I got my ba- my compulsive, ba- uh, my overeater badge working at this. But, but it would be, okay, whatever they're going to serve, if it's hamburger and a jello, that's going to be my lunch. And, and, and sometimes, you know, when I get home from school, I'll have a piece of fruit and I'll eat whatever my parents are making for dinner, but I'm not going to eat more after dinner's over. That was the kind of how I called my food in. It wasn't, it wasn't strict. It wasn't what I thought. I, if I knew I was going to start abstaining, I probably would have done a lot of binging before, you know, or, or I wouldn't have done it because it was so scary and it was so daunting to have, you know, in my mind, oh my God, if I really abstain, I'm going to have to lose all this weight. It was just overwhelming. So all it was is, okay, this is going to help me stop gaining weight. And when you, for myself, all the stuff I didn't think about, you know, I could rationalize or I could go numb when I was eating. When I stopped doing all that behavior, all of a sudden I lost five pounds one month and, you know, I got sick and lost a few more pounds. And all of a sudden, you know, I've got a collarbone. I had never felt a collarbone before. And, and, you know, I lost about 25, 30 pounds, uh, Within like six months, I remember by the summer, I was all of a sudden, everybody in 1977 was telling me how good I looked. Like, I, how did that happen? You know, a few months later, I realized that there had to have been, that's what, when I real, I had a spiritual awakening, that there had to be some higher power that from how I got in 1976, hating myself, being so fat, being so miserable. And in the summer of 77, I had uh, these OA friends and I was losing weight and I was doing things and starting to go to dances and, you know, I'd be afraid of talking to girls and 
they'd say, okay, just show up, and it would be a bunch of OA teens, and we started a second meeting at uh, Roxbury Park on Saturday nights. There was an OA meeting and a teen meeting, and so I'd go to the teen meeting to try and get that going, and the regular meeting, and then my mom told me about a Monday night, uh, there was a big guru in 08 who did this big Monday night meeting, and I started going to his meeting, and my mom said, just so you can announce your team meeting, your new team meeting that you guys are starting, and, you know, from here that I wasn't going to be like my mom, I'm going to meetings almost every night, and and that also helped me stop eating, because I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I had nothing, My I was so thank Thank you. And and it filled and, it, you know, it started away and, and the people's love and it started. I stopped hating myself so much. Um, and here I am, 44 years, 45 years later, I'm still, um, you know, still coming to OA and, and going through this journey. I've uh, um, been, you know, went through, moved out on my own, went through college, been through several uh jobs, things, you know, had a lot of outside success, uh, let's say success, being able to do things, you know, uh, leadership and, you know, was uh, chairman of the Chamber of Commerce where I work. And and I say those things, not ego-wise, but just like, who would have thought this person who felt so bad about themselves, who felt like the biggest loser, but you people in a way loved me. And 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 all I had to do was show up at meetings and, and just do one thing put one foot in front of the other and show up to life and not hate myself so much. And then all of a sudden I've had this beautiful life. Um, um, you know, I, I met somebody in a way that uh, uh, we started going out and, you know, all these years later we got married, have two kids and, and have a really nice life. We're active in our synagogue. Again, I didn't believe in God. I, I hated uh, my religion, and all of a sudden we're so active. I'm the treasurer of my synagogue, very active. Go most Friday nights, that's my meditation, that's my uh, getting through the week. You know, who would have thought? I hated, hated, hated. I used to have to binge to get, you know, to go to Hebrew school. Um, I would, you know, that was the only way I got through things. So, so who would have thought that this kind of life that I could have? Um, I've had some health, major health issues come up about two and a half years ago, and and, and that's really where I saw, like, if, like, why why abstain if I, I thought, you know, my life was dwindling down for a certain point? And, and it's like, why abstain? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's it, like that's when it really, you see, when when things get tough, why it's so important. All of a sudden, you know, absence and, and being in this program and, and having a foundation to get through when things get difficult. Um, and, and I thank God I've been, for the most part, okay over the last two and a half years. I, Because of the stuff I'm going through, having to go through some medical treatments started a couple weeks ago. And it's been really, it's really gotten me, whenever things like this happen, I've had to really start now really taking it one day at a time. And I feel really good. I've had good energy. I haven't had a lot of side effects, but it's this every day and didn't know, do I have to cut down my Exercise. I was told at the beginning, no strenuous exercise. Here, somebody who hated moving their body. Every day I do exercise. I walk. I hike on the weekends. Uh, we're, we're, we're at time. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up. So all of a sudden, I've been able to be flexible. And, if hey, if I can't, and, and my absence is, you know, um, 
is eating in a way that keep, maintains my weight and, and keeps me in a healthy thing. And, and I've been able to do it and, and to get through uh, good and bad times in this program. Anyway, thank you all for listening to me and being here. And uh, thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not of those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you ask the question last, please Last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. You can look at it in the participants unless you'd like me to call them, David. Okay, let me do that. But I don't see any hands. Oh, well, there's Ellie and then Julia. Oh, see, I don't see it. Okay, Ellie. Okay, thank you, David. Um, would you please talk about when you first were uh, working the steps, how old you were, what you thought about them, and uh, just in general, how it was for you working the steps? Sure. So, yeah, that's a part of my story I, didn't, I skipped over. So when I first started working the steps, I was – First of all, my first reaction to the steps, that's stuff my mom and her friends do. And, you know, telling my deep, dark secrets, writing inventory, all that stuff just terrified me. And so my first my first year in OA, I thought, I'm not going to deal with that. You know, I and and uh, it, I but I did get a sponsor um, and and my sponsor, I think I was about 17 16 probably and he gave me he was also an AA and he gave me this APOR guide to write an inventory and when you're 16 years old you know APOR is for you know these hardcore alcoholics it probably wasn't the most appropriate method of for inventory for me but but it did it anyway but it was what his experience and 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 um and he didn't put pressure on me about writing the inventory, and it took me nine months to write my inventory to take that fourth step because I would just write a little bit at a time, but that's all I could handle. And I couldn't even handle how am I going to ever give it away because, you know, I didn't have a lot of deep, dark secrets, but I thought I did. And um, and so so anyway, that that so that's how I – got in my fourth step and then when it was done uh we made arrangements and i gave it away to him at his house um and you know here i was so afraid and he fell asleep while i was reading it um so that's how important i was or whatever but i did feel this release like i've never felt before and that was one of the one of the spiritual experiences i had when i left his house and and drove home uh and then we started working on a list of of uh you know from that, we worked on my amends and my character defects. And my biggest amends uh, at that time, it was was mostly to my family, my parents. And, and, and we came up with some living amends, uh, which was, you know, so part of it was go to dinner with my dad. Like, because we didn't speak. We just, 
we had such a bad relationship with my mother. I yelled and screamed and we hated each other. But my dad, it was, we just didn't politically believe in the same stuff. And he just thought I should, whatever he told me to do, he should do. He said, why do you go to that OA? And I said, because we talk about problems. He says, you have problems. And, you know, he was a Holocaust survivor. He had fought in two Israeli wars. He had, you know, he had gone through so much. So, of course, I have problems. You know, he didn't have to say all that stuff. But anyway, but I we went to dinner and that was my starting amends to him. And, and then and then uh, with with my mom, it was, you know, not arguing with her and, or going on Sundays to have dinner with them once a week. Um, later, that was, you know, a- afterwards, once I moved, I moved out when I was 18. But but that was. Anyway, that, that was, um, that was, you know, steps four through nine, how I did. And then later I got another sponsor and we, and I, this is for me how I, with the tense, you know, step, he started having me do things out of the big book, the, the columns. And that's how I like can do these mini inventories and, 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 um, you know, and, uh, you know, and then my current uh, talk about love and step, you know, was I didn't have a really good I didn't have I would sometimes do really these really deep meditations and started going to synagogue on high holidays and stuff. But I didn't have a really good uh, prayer and meditation routine. And I got my current sponsor about 15 years ago. And that was the one of the steps. And I was good at 12 step. Right. I did a lot of uh, trying to help people come to OA and do a lot for, did a lot of, done a lot of OA service. But that was one of the problems when I got my current sponsor, who I still have, that was the big thing I wanted to work on with him. And so we worked on a routine where, you know, I read the, both OA books every day and it's usually in the morning and I turn on a timer for five minutes and I, you know, I say a few prayers and then I meditate and it's five minutes is my minimum. And, and he tells, and if I, something happens in the morning, I oversleep, something, something happens, you can do it at night. It's better if I do it in the morning, but now it's like, it's almost like, uh, it's just part of me now. It's like, I, it's like brushing my teeth. It would, if, if I miss, if I miss a day, which is only a couple times a year, if it, it feels like when I go to bed without brushing my teeth, it's just, it's, it's just now, it's just now part of my, my life. Um, and, and that's sort of how the steps are. Um, and yeah, so that, that's my experience sort of broadly working the steps. Thank you. Who was, who was uh, next? Julia's next. Julia. Hi, thank you so much, David. Um, you touched on this and what I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, that you didn't, when you were younger, you did not believe in God. And it sounds to me like today you very much do. Um, can you talk about your spiritual journey and how you came to believe and, and how you, um, what that relationship is like now on a daily basis. Sure. And so, yeah, you got to write, except for sometimes it goes in, it goes in circles. And sometimes I have a strong, and sometimes I don't believe that there's any outside, you know, force. Um, but this, this is, uh, 
what happened. So I didn't believe in God, and, and I sort of decided, you know, I heard in a way at the beginning, you know, take what you like and leave the rest, and I, I decided to leave that God stuff. I wasn't going to argue with my mom and those OA people about God. I don't believe in your God, and I don't believe there's a God, and life is so crazy, and there wouldn't be all these horrible things if there was a God, and... And so that, so I decided to stop arguing and I would leave the God side of OA, like if there is a way to leave the God side. But, but that's what I did. And I just used OA was, you know, started being, okay, this is great. I have a fellowship. There's some other good things about this, but, uh, you know, I won't believe in God. And by the end of summer of 1977, when I started describing, I had OA friends and, and we started, you know, people were just all of a sudden I had this life and, I was driving to a meeting on a Sunday night. I remember like it was yesterday. This was August 1977 on a Sunday night. I was driving to a meeting in Long Beach with this bunch of OA young people who were going to the team meeting. And they were all talking about how could anybody not believe in God and look what what our higher powers have done for us and all of us look what a great summer we're having. And, you know, and this is so fun going to OA together and all this stuff. And it wasn't that anybody told me a God. It wasn't my parents or a rabbi or any guru. It was like it hit me. It was a, a thunderbolt in that car for me that, yes, my life had completely changed in one year. And I didn't make it happen. All the years of in my mind of all trying to figure life out, it never worked. And looking for the rule book, and all of a sudden – there had to be a higher power that, you know, and I was on a pink cloud, of course, at that time with OA, you know, and, 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 and whatever. But it just was, it was my spiritual experience and it was, it was that there had to be a higher power. I still, you know, didn't like my or, organized, I didn't like organized religion and all that stuff and didn't know what God was. But I started developing where I started feeling like, the only way OA would work and, and, and that I need help. I need, I need a, 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 a personal connection with a higher power to help me stop, to continue to stop eating compulsively and get through life. And I started like just believing like there's this higher power that sits with me in the car next to me. And I remember going to a dance, um, where like there was this, night there was this nightclub that a bunch of it was a sober nightclub and I was 18 years old I was still living at home and I was terrified of going and not knowing anybody and and you know social things really terrified me even after that at that time it was three years in OA and I remember just visualizing this higher power that's going with me and I'm not going alone and I'm going to walk in and that's that was how I built the spiritual experience and, and and again it wasn't what anybody told me and years later i did add starting to go to to for my going back to my religion where i would take what i like and left the rest and i started going to services and and then my mom died and i started going regularly with my dad to friday services and i was able to incorporate that into my oa program and, and that's really helped me a lot uh, over the years, and, and there's times where I've stopped believing in a higher power, uh, a traditional higher power, but I do, I do, what always taught me is act as if anyway, and so I still pray and meditate even when I be don't believe in that there's anything out there. My bottom line now is my definition of a higher power is that there is a flow to this world that I have no control over. 
And that is a higher power to me, that the way this earth spins and what happens in the world and all the we're all all our billions of people in this world and stuff are on whatever course. And that is something that is a higher uh, is a higher power. And I either go with that flow and that's, you know, and that so that's my bottom line higher power. And, and just to just to follow that flow. And, and if I do it and turn my life over to to the flow, it, my life goes smooth. And when I try and fight what is, you know, reality, um, it doesn't. And, and then, you know, other times I've sometimes I do get this very deep sense of maybe a more traditional higher power. Um, and, and it's OK, both both whether I believe in almost nothing or when I have this deep, hey, there is something out there, uh, it works. And, and there's things, there's things that happen. I look at it, um, as no coincidence that everything happens for a reason. And, and, and again, that's all because of OA, because everything seemed chaotic when I was, you know, before OA to me. Yeah. Greg, it looks like next Greg in Arizona. Thank you, David. You just explained your definition of your higher power. Can you also elaborate on your definition of your abstinence? That's part one. And part two would be, are there any changes you would like to make in your abstinence if you could? Yeah, so so my definition, I thought about it because, yeah. So at the beginning, my abstinence was I actually started counting calories. That was because I didn't know how else um, – to sort of know if I was eating moderately, and that's what I needed sort of when I was newer in OA, and it was basically eating three meals a day, uh, but it was, if I broke up meals, it was okay, and and so, but my my absence to me, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's not the food as much as eating in a, in a disciplined manner that I'm not binging, and I'm not eat and that I'm maintaining uh my sponsor has me weigh once a month and that I try and keep within five pounds. And I'm actually probably from when I first started working with him, I'm about ten pounds my my now my five pound range is about ten pounds lower because I've added exercise more exercise and uh even healthier eating than I did a few years back. Um anyway, uh that's yeah, that, that that's sort of my absence now. And again, it's still basically three meals a day, but a lot of times I eat dinner late at not, late at night, and so I will have part of my dinner early. It's, I don't call it a or it could be a snack, but to me, it's part of my dinner. It's part of what I know that I can calorically. I don't count my calories anymore, but it's sort of what you know. I, if I'm going to have uh, something, if I'm going to eat very late, and I have something, then I know it's less for that meal or I leave over part of my lunch because I know, um, you know, something's coming up that evening. And so I want to be able to finish lunch later. So anyway, that, that's my absence. Uh, do we have time for one more? Yes, we have two minutes. We could have one more. Okay. Did anybody else have a question? Pam. David, um, I'm wondering if there are any foods that you abstain from, any categories or kind of red light areas. 
Yeah. So, so for me and for my absence, there is no foods I abstain from. I, I have desserts on my absence. I have breads. I, uh, flour. So for me, there is nothing. I, but that's me. What I, I, you know, I, uh, we're each different. And so, and, and that's how I've always had, I've never had any specific food. So that's, that's been my experience that it's worked for me. I don't suggest this for everybody, but for me, sometimes, you know, I can go to Costco and get a chicken and just the smell of it, I can be as obsessed on that as, as I could on dessert. Not like this, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of compulsive overeater, everything I, I find. Uh, I, I, what I find for myself, there's not any specific food I abstain from, but I, I have to eat in an 80, 90% healthy. So, you know, that I eat. So, for instance, bread. I very seldom eat white bread. I do occasionally if I'm in a restaurant and they serve something or, but I only, you know, at home, I only eat whole wheat bread or whole wheat cereals or, um, you know, I don't, it's not that I never eat fried food, but I don't, I don't go out and I don't, I can't, calorically and health wise eat french fries you know uh i can't eat uh Sorry, great so so that that's that sort of with me with food that uh yeah anyway thank you very much 